You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We have a day of Lutheran witness things today, which is really exciting. We're going to uh, share the themes of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness, which which hopefully you have on your coffee tables uh, right now. It is a great issue. And joining us today is the Reverend Roy Askins, Managing Editor of Lutheran Witness. Thanks for joining us today, Roy. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So tell us about the November Lutheran Witness. What do we get to read about this month? So we've actually made a bit of a change this year in the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Most people are familiar with the November issue being the State of the Synod. Uh, and while we do still have a, a State of the Synod uh, summary inside at the very center of the, this issue of the Lutheran Witness, that report has actually been moved off-site. So watch uh, the reporter websites, the Lutheran Witness websites. Uh, sometime around the beginning of December, that full State of the Synod report will be published there. But then that means we have another whole issue to do wonderful theology and teaching. And so we have uh, in this issue, the November issue, spent the issue talking about the Lord's Supper and the fellowship we have together as the body of Christ, uh, the fellowship we have as a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as this church body, but then also the fellowship we have with those outside this church body. And what does that mean and how do we relate to each other as a consequence of, of that fellowship we have uh, in doctrine and the Lord's Supper? Why is it important to, to have this conversation, to address these issues? Yeah, so honestly, the, this question about the fellowship we have both within the church and then also, or within, I should say, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but then also with those outside the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is possibly one of the most difficult conversations to have in general. It raises a number of different questions when we talk about the fellowship we have around the Lord's Supper. So uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has practiced uh, in its entire history the loving practice of closed communion which is to say we only commune those who we, with whom we share full altar and pulpit fellowship. That is to say, uh, we can commune at others' altars, they can commune at our altars, we can preach in their pulpits. We are in full agreement about what the Word of God teaches, and we only commune those with whom we have this, this fellowship and this agreement. And uh, this is a very difficult conversation to, for people to have oftentimes with friends and family who come to uh, visit their Lutheran church and they're like, hey, I want to go for communion. And we have to say, well, hold on, we need to have some more conversations about this. And that's a very difficult conversation for people to have. Uh, and so we wanted to provide some, some theological grounding for how do we have this conversation and then also some guidance for how to actually talk to somebody about this. And we covered both of those angles uh, here in this issue of the Luther Witness, and we'll dig more into those articles in a minute. But then also, not only the fellowship we have with, with uh, those outside the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but then also the fellowship we have with one another has an interesting expression at the Lord's Supper. Um, and 
the way we deal with uh, communion and and communing has an effect on or, or is affected by uh, our lives together. Uh, and and so pastors actually will use the Lord's Supper. They do use the Lord's Supper as God has given it to us uh, to provide for the spiritual well-being of the members entrusted to their care. And so there are at times the pastor will say, it's not appropriate for you to come to the Lord's Supper right now. Um, you need to abstain so that we can have a conversation and deal with these things, even though this person might be a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And so we also deal with that. Pastor Sinkbell has an excellent article about that. And of course, this is also a very difficult conversation, but it's something that we as the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod need to wrestle with, uh, with regard to each other in our conversations with one another, but then also with those uh, outside of our church body and our fellowship. Yeah, this this whole article is, is a bit of a deep dive into uh, not only our doctrine and our beliefs, but how that plays out in practice uh, every mm-hmm. Sunday, but also um, also with our families and our friends. And as we have these conversations, because it does permeate into more than just uh, going to the Lord's Supper on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a, a couple of the articles. What are the uh, some of the articles and authors that we get to read this month? Sure. So uh, I actually want to start with Dr. Veith. So everybody knows Dr. Veith's articles usually has some great content right at the beginning talking about um, cultural events, uh, kind of big name events going on in our culture and our world. And, And actually, I think his article this month does a really great job of, uh, of actually t- tailoring into this conversation about the Lord's Supper and this fellowship we have with one another. And he's talking about who is Jesus and how uh, there are, there are I think it's 65%, what was the number there, um, of evangelicals who believe that God is, or Jesus, is actually a creation of God. In other words, they're denying the full divinity of Jesus Christ uh, as confessed in the Apostles' Creed. And this would be one, and the Nicene Creed. And this would be one of the reasons why we don't actually share full communion fellowship with these people, because they don't actually believe what the Bible teaches about who Jesus is and what he has, uh, and and who he is in relation into God. So, actually, great articles by Dr. Veith here, uh, kind of uh, beginning this this uh, issue. In fact, he also talks in the the next uh, kind of his second part of his article, the religiously remixed, about how. Americans in particular tend to kind of just mix smorgasbord their religion up, kind of mix and match this piece. Oh, I like this part of Buddhism and I like this part of Christianity and I like this part of whatever. <laughs> and they just kind of make their own little smorgasbord of religion. And uh, and it's also part of the reason why we practice close communion is to be able to say to these people, well, here's actually what God's word says. And I know you might like that part of Buddhism, but that's not actually in accord with what the Word of God says about our relationship with God and how we have a right relationship with God. And if we're afraid to have that conversation, then that person might live their entire lives believing a falsehood about their salvation. And so in this way, and I think Dr. Bukop in his article later in this issue, um, in some ways, the opportunity to have this closed communion conversation actually enables us to witness to what we believe uh, about Jesus Christ and about our salvation. So that's Dr. V's article kind of starting it out. Um, of course, any conversation about the Lord's Supper needs to begin with some wonderful fundamentals, with which Pastor Weeding does in his What is the Lord's Supper? He goes through and provides um, basically a discussion on the four parts from Luther's small catechism about the Lord's Supper, provides some excellent insight, uh, kind of a quick review of your catechism days of what is the Lord's Supper, how we receive this worthily, um, and how the Supper can do such great things. 
so, from there we yeah. move in. Uh, can I keep going? Absolutely. Or should I? Should I yeah. uh, okay. So from there we move into uh, Pastor Serena's article where he talks about our relationship with other church bodies and how we uh, have this fellowship, this Lord's Supper with other church bodies. And he points out that when we say we don't commune with another church body, it's not that we're denying their salvation, but it's that we're acknowledging there's that there are two different dimensions to our fellowship. We have a vertical dimension that is a relationship with the individual communing communicant member with God. But then there's also this horizontal relationship that we have with those also at the communion rail. And when we say we don't commune with those who are not in our fellowship, it's not that we're saying they are, they don't have faith, they're not saved, but it's acknowledging that we don't have full unity in belief uh, and doctrine about what the Bible says, right? And so he spends the rest of his article kind of discussing this and expanding on that. It's a really great explanation of, of that relationship that we have with one another. Um, we have another article in here by the uh, Reverend Paul Becker about singing at the supper. There's a lot of great history about the Lord's Supper and singing around the supper. And, uh, and why we sing during the Lord's Supper. Great article. I encourage you to read that and enjoy that as well. Now, one of the fundamental ideas behind fellowship at the table, this unity we have as the people of God, as we receive the Lord's Supper, comes from Jesus's practice of table fellowship during his earthly ministry. And Dr. Arthur Just, who is uh, both teaches at the seminary and is, is one, of the, one of our missionaries, for the, uh, the Office of International Mission, talks about Jesus' table fellowship and how his table fellowship includes uh, not simply eating together, but a series of actually a number of different things. First off, God's presence at the table brings a special relationship and unity to this table. But then there is also food, but then there is also teaching. Jesus' teaching is a key fundamental aspect to this uh, table fellowship that he has during his earthly ministry. And he unfolds, Dr. Just unfolds what this table fellowship is that Jesus has all throughout this article on the Lord's Supper and table fellowship. Uh, Then Dr. Sinkbile moves into pastoral care and how pastors have been sent uh, as you might say physicians of the soul, I think is the term he uses, and how as physicians of souls, they use the medicine of immortality, that is the Lord's Supper, uh, as it is often referred to, to care for the people entrusted to their care. So I uh, spends a great uh, amount of time talking about that. And then finally, Dr. Bukop expands on the closed communion conversation. When friends and family come and they want to talk to you, they want to come to Lord's Supper, how do you talk to them about this? How do you prepare them for uh, for what it is that we practice and believe about the Lord's Supper? And how do you confess and witness what you believe about Jesus Christ uh, in in your discussion of closed communion? And I think that about wraps it up. Earlier, you mentioned the the practice of loving, uh, the loving practice of closed communion. Elaborate more on how that is loving. I, I think you you spelled it out, but or maybe you could sum it up here for sure. us at the end. What that why it's loving. So, First Corinthians chapter eleven, in particular, is the passage we use to discuss this. And Saint Paul warns that. Those who partake of the Lord's Supper in without discerning his body and blood actually partake of the Lord's Supper uh, to their judgment and to their harm. The fact is, the Lord's Supper is God's gift to us, and we don't get to decide how we receive it. He is the one that decides how to give it to us. And he says that those who receive the Lord's Supper without discerning his body and blood eat and drink it to their judgment. It would be unloving of us to welcome those to the communion table who do not share this faith and this teaching. 
we would be basically feeding them their own judgment, and that would not be loving and, and kind to them. So that's why we as Lutherans, uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Center, practice closed communion. That way uh, we can have this opportunity to witness to who we are and what we believe in Jesus Christ, but also ensure that those who come to receive communion at, at our Lord's altar receive it to their benefit and not to their harm. Absolutely. So much good teaching and information and, and practical things in this issue. Where can we find all of the uh, articles that will be online for this issue? Please go to witness.lcms.org. You can find all of the content, not all the content. You can find the stuff posted online there, but then also a host of other online articles uh, about a whole bunch of different topics. We've got some great stuff from Professor Pless and and uh, Dr. Veith and whatnot, also on the the, uh, the website. But witness.lsms.org to see those pages. And then witness, I'm sorry, cph.org slash witness to subscribe to the print edition of the Lutheran Witness. And a few of these articles are also on the Lutheran Witness podcast, which is available on your podcast players as well. Uh, the Reverend Roy Askins, Managing Editor of the Lutheran Witness, thank you so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Oh,